If you are here for the first time, know that we're uh, so thankful that you're here with us today. You're truly valued and loved. Uh, We cannot wait to get to know you. Uh, Before we jump into our DNA series, I just want to kind of give you a quick heads up about next week. We're going to be beginning the book of Joshua as a church. And you know, I'm really excited about this because I'm expecting for God to move in us and increase our faith as a church. You know, we've been going through this DNA series in 1 John, and I can't help but think that the book of Joshua is a great follow-up to this series. Because another major part of who we are as a church that we haven't talked about a ton in this series is that we truly believe we serve a really big God. We love the Bible. We love theology. We teach the Word. We exalt Jesus every week. And because of what the Bible teaches about the grandness of God, we also love to pray and dream and beg God in faith for crazy big things. We have several verses that we as a church often uh, reference. uh, And one of them is Ephesians 3.20, believing what the Word says, that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And if Jesus rose from the dead then the same God that was at work in the book of Joshua is at work in, living inside of us today and is able to do far more than we can ever ask or think. And as we'll see, our God, He does some incredible things. He is a, he, he's a conquering God that goes to battle for His people. He's a God that has promised He will be with us and He will go before us on our journey. But that's next week. And so I want to encourage you to invite a friend uh, and let's see what God will do. You know, every week's a great time to invite someone. uh, But next week with a new series, it's a great time to invite new people. But for today, we're ending our DNA series out of 1 John. You know, we spent the past several weeks going through our core values as a church because we believe, uh, just like in the importance of our DNA as a church, like it's extremely important because it's so easy to drift and move away and forget why we exist as a church. Again, we've said this every week throughout this series. New City Church exists to see Jesus change lives and to reach the world. And so if you call New City Church home, you can know that this is our direction. This is the goal that we're striving for. We want to see life transformation here in Tampa and around the world. And one of the reasons we thought it would be helpful to go through this is because we're about two and a half years into the existence of our church and about two thirds of our church have been here for less than 18 months uh, and over half of you less than a year. Back in 2018 and 2019, We had a launch team of people uh, gathering each week up in North Carolina, preparing to plant our church. And with that launch team, we went through much of what we talked through uh, throughout this series. We asked everyone to give us two years of their life to live on mission in Tampa to help us start this church. And now we're two and a half years in. And we want to make sure our vision and core values are still clear to everyone who has joined us over the past couple of years. You know, maybe we can consider this series a bit of a launch team training for each of us. Uh, as a means to be unified uh, in our, as a church, living on mission uh, and purpose and all in the same direction. And if you now call New City Church home, I hope over this series you have seen and heard that we have a big vision and you are a major part of that vision. Like the baton has now been passed on to each of you to help us carry out what we hope to see God accomplish, which is to see life change and transformation week after week and month after month here at New City. And to see broken people who are wounded and weary to find rest and be revived uh, to then be unleashed back out into God's global mission. I know here at New City, we want to make disciples. We want to multiply churches and mobilize missionaries all over the world. And we believe our core values will be the vehicle to get us there. Again, our core values, we've seen them each week. Authentic relationships, intentional discipleship, and missional urgency. 
We've looked at each of these over the past couple weeks while, while trying to make sure we emphasize that if these are our core values, which we've said are the vehicle to get us where we're going, then the fuel that moves the engine is prayer and the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Like we, we teach the Bible and we pray and we are totally dependent on the power of God to move in us and through us. So God's made it really clear in His Word that His plans and purposes on this earth are to be carried out by His people that are guided by His Word, while at the same time knowing that God is the one that we're totally dependent on uh, to make it all happen. And so those are our uh, core values and vision. Uh, but the one last piece to the DNA series that really kind of holds it all together is the gospel. New City Church is a gospel-centered church. And I know that's become a bit of a buzzword in churches over the past several years. And so today we're going to talk about what this really means. Because it doesn't only mean we give a gospel presentation every week. It means so much more than that. And if you have no clue what I'm talking about when I talk about the gospel, you, took, you picked a great day to be with us because this entire sermon is on the gospel. I mean, gospel literally means good news. And this is the best message that has ever been told. In short, it's the good news of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And we'll dive into this more in a few minutes, but first, as it relates to us just being a gospel-centered church and how it all works in our DNA and core values and vision, we could say that the gospel is the glue that holds it all together. If we don't have the gospel, we don't and we cannot have our vision. Like, it would be pointless to have. And the vehicle of our core values, they can't stay together. And the fuel for the engine, it won't work. It would be powerless. And so the gospel is the thing that holds all of Christianity together. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, which is the deciding factor in the gospel, if that did not happen, we should all be pitied. Like literally, if the gospel is not true, if this message that we're looking at today is not true, we have nothing to stand on. I mean, everything we're about as a church, it's meaningless and pointless. We could probably say if the gospel is not true, we're nothing more than a social club that has been totally fooled into believing the biggest hoax in the history of mankind. I'll say this, if you're not a Christian here today and you want to disprove Christianity and prove that it's not true, I'll give you a head start and tell you that the linchpin of Christianity is the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's the gospel. And so if you can prove to us with total certainty that Jesus did not walk this earth, that he did not die, and that he did not rise from the dead, I'll quit my job and we'll shut down the church. Because if the gospel is not true, we have absolutely no interest in a dead and lifeless religion that's built on a total lie. But yet if the gospel is true, the new city, we can't say the same. It changes everything, which is our main idea for today. The gospel changes everything. Well, this is so important. The gospel, it's not just for salvation. It's not only to enter into eternal life. It's not only our way to heaven, but it's also for our everyday life. It affects everything that we're about as a church. Because if the gospel is, is, is true and good news, uh, and then we want to incorporate it and talk about it into everything we do. Like every book of the Bible, it points to Jesus as the hero, which we'll see in the book of Joshua. Like every time we preach and we teach the word, we try to make Jesus the hero. Every time we gather and every time we sing and every time we pray, we want Jesus to be exalted. Just like we just sang. Because Jesus in the good news he brought to us is what holds it all together. 
Again, the gospel, it changes everything. Maybe you've, maybe you've heard of a few of these. That the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity. It's the A through Z of Christianity. We never move past the gospel. Or maybe you've heard it said that the gospel is not the diving board that gets you into Christianity, that you leave once you accept Jesus to then move into more important things in the Christian life. No, the gospel is not the diving board. It's the pool that we swim in. Like it is the refreshing pool that we jump in and we swim in. It renews and it refreshes us each day. Like Christian maturity, it never graduates from the gospel. No, it goes continually deeper into the gospel. And so again, New City is a gospel-centered church. Like we love the gospel. We talk about it a lot. And so today, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or maybe you've been a Christian for a week, or maybe you're not sure about this whole following Jesus thing and you're skeptical and unsure, no matter where you are today, we get to talk about the thing that we as Christians base our entire life on that is a sure and steady foundation. And so today, just like the past three weeks, we're going to be using 1 John, spending more of our time in the first chapter, and then we're going to kind of zoom out and look at several things from the entire book. And so we'll kind of be all over the Bible today. And again, this is not a typical New City sermon where we go line by line through the Bible. It's going to be more thematic in nature, and the theme is the gospel. And so maybe we could say instead of teaching uh, one passage, we're kind of zooming out. We're going to tell the whole story of the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And as we do this, I'm breaking down our time into three different sections because this story, it's not just a historical narrative. It's still happening today in our own lives. And as we do this, I think it's helpful to think of of the gospel like a diamond that we can turn and that we can see from all different angles. You know, diamonds, I think most ladies will agree, are a treasured gift to receive, especially from those strapping New City men that we desire to raise up uh, to be men who love Jesus and are fearless leaders and know how to treat a lady with dignity and respect. And so when you ladies receive that diamond, uh, what does it do? It sparkles. It glimmers every time and it hits the light in a different way. It sparkles. And so uh, you see a beauty and a radiance and a splendor from multiple different angles and aspects. Because every time you turn a diamond, there's a new radiance of beauty that shines. And so that's what we try to do here every week with the gospel diamond. To see how it sparkles from all its different vantage points from every book of the Bible week after week. And so today we're going to explore the gospel diamond, seeing the past, the present, and the future implications of the gospel. Those are our three points that we'll see today. Number one, the gospel past. Number two, the gospel present. And number three, the gospel future. So in the first point, we're going to tell the story of the gospel. We're going to see the message of the gospel. It's a, the gospel is a message that frees us from the penalty of sin. But as we've also said, we'll see how it affects us presently today for our everyday life and how we're given today power over sin. And then finally, seeing the future promise of the gospel that sin's presence will be totally uh, be abolished. Again, gospel past, gospel present, and gospel future, seeing the penalty, the power, and the promises of the gospel. So we've got lots of peace today, okay? So let's go ahead and read 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. We get to our first point. Number uh, Verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have heard, and which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim it to you, the, proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
Again, the author of 1 John, uh, of this letter, is the same author that wrote the Gospel of John. And before I go any further, I want to address this kind of an often misunderstood thought. You know, oftentimes when asked, what is the gospel? Many will say, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like the books of the Bible. Which, yes, this is true. Those are what we call the accounts of the gospel, the gospel accounts in the Bible. But a less confusing way to say this is to maybe make it more clear is that the gospel is according to, it's the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So when we went through the book uh, called The Gospel of John over this past year, that was the good news of Jesus as was seen and witnessed by John. It was the gospel according to John. And so I want to make sure that we're differentiating between the good news of the gospel message that's all over the New Testament and the books of the Bible. Like that's a really important distinction. And so if this is brand new to you, welcome to the club because this was me for a long time. Like I went to church often as a kid. I didn't know the message of the gospel but I did know the book's called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But again, the author of this letter we're reading today, John spent, uh, he spent time with Jesus. He shared meals with Jesus. He followed Jesus around. He talked with him. He was in his inner circle of close followers that witnessed him walk on water and raise the dead to life and multiply food and heal the sick. And he also saw Jesus die on the cross. Uh, he, like, he spoke, he died on the cross, and then Jesus spoke directly to John right after his uh, right after the resurrection, like he was confirmed dead, and then John came back and spoke to him. John witnessed the resurrection, which again is why John wrote verses 1 and 2. Look at it again. So let's just read it again. That, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life, which was Jesus, was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. So we saw almost a year ago in the Gospel of John, the first chapter, that Jesus was at the beginning with God, which is why John said that which was from the beginning in verse 1. That's what we have seen and, and heard and touched and made manifest and saw it and testified to it. So John is writing this entire letter of 1 John on the foundation of the life of Jesus. The gospel is the foundation to this entire book of 1 John and also every book in the New Testament and really every book of the Bible. And so when we think of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, it's the story of Jesus' life that happened over 2,000 years ago, which today is what we're calling number one, gospel past. It's the greatest story and news that we as humans have ever been told. And it's not some fake, fictitious story uh, that's not relevant to us today. No, it's, it's a true story that alters history. There is no good historian, Christian or non-Christian, that denies that Jesus walked this earth. Like, it's a historical fact that not many people will deny. Atheists, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, Mormons, spiritualists of all kinds, they all agree that Jesus walked the earth as a real person. And so when we think of the gospel in the past, we look backwards in time to a historical reality that tells us that a man named Jesus entered into this world. And the reason Jesus came into this world, the Bible tells us, was because the world was and still is today broken. The Bible is very clear. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, that God created the world, and when he created it, it was good. Everything that God made was good. And everything God made, he made for humans to enjoy. The sun, for example, was made at the perfect temperature and distance so that humans could live on the earth that God created. Like anything closer, we'd burn. Anything further, we'd freeze. 
mean, God made the world so that plants and animals could exist on the earth and have food and water. God made marriages and relationships for people to work with their hands, and it was all good and to be enjoyed. Everything that God made was good, including people. Relationships were not strained. Work was enjoyable, and our relationship with God was close and connected. New City, every person on this planet was made to be close and connected to the God who made us. But yet, unfortunately, in Genesis chapter 3, we see sin and deception enter the world, seeing Satan doing what he does best, deceiving and lying. God created everything to be good, but yet we see the first humans on the planet disobey God. And from that point on, sin and evil and wickedness began to expand and multiply, being passed on from generation to generation down to each of us today. Listen, every person on this planet still today sees this. We all experience this. We all know this to be true, that sin and evil are in the world and that wickedness, like it is undeniable. It is in the hearts of people. Lying, stealing, cheating, deceiving, subtle lies, massive webs of all of us, all of these, these are all around us. Like we can't watch the news and think our world is full of peace and harmony. Police officers, firefighters, doctors, nurses, paramedics, counselors, armies, wars, fighting and relational strife in our own life. All of these things exist because the world is broken. And sin and evil and tragedy, it's all around us. Like we can't get through a single day and not get a small taste of this reality. One of the reasons I find true biblical Christianity so fascinating and convincing is because it's just really honest about the reality of life. Like it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It's just honest. And so when sin and evil entered the world and all of humanity was then separated from God forever, separated from our relationship with God, designed to be in connection with him uh, and to listen to him and to follow him and listen up, y'all, this is so important because when sin entered into the world in our own lives, our need for a savior and rescuer became adamantly important apparent like we just see it and when humanity us became separated from god our attention went from worshiping god to worshiping ourself and do you know why because we were created to worship we each were designed to worship god because of sin all the glory that goes to god it was then turned towards ourself and each and every day, you and I and all, those, and all those over thousands of years are left wrestling with the belief that we know what's best with our life, that we should be in charge of our life. Like we all wrestle with this in some way, which is why relationships with other people are so hard. Again, this is why wars and violence exist. This is why sacrificial love and sacrificing our time and our resources for others is so hard because, again, there's no denying this. Sin and evil are real, and because of the goodness of God, God wanted to make a way to redeem and to restore all that was broken. And so what did God do? He sent Jesus, his son, to be our rescuer and redeemer. Jesus was born, lived a sinless life, performing miracles, showing that he was God. And then in obedience to God, he gave up his life. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for the sins of the world. And then he rose from the dead. And the resurrection of Jesus is what sealed the deal for a real and true hope for the world. Because Jesus didn't just die and stay dead. No, he came back to life, showing he is still living and active in the world. And for those who believe in Jesus, 
We all get a new fresh start. And our sins are forgiven. And God then says, you're mine. You are now my child. We often say it this way. Jesus lived a life that we could not live. And he died the death that we deserve to die. And then he gave us his reward. That's the good news of the gospel. We couldn't do it. And so Jesus did it for us. And so trusting in Jesus is what provides a door through the wall that was built by our sins separating us from God. Like Jesus is the doorway back to God. And then when we put our faith in Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we're given eternal life, seeing that the good news of the gospel pays for the penalty of our sin. Which means to be very straight and to the point, when we trust in Jesus, we are saved from spending an eternity in hell. Again, just one of our sins leads to a punishment that separates us from God. And doing more good than bad is not what keeps us out of hell. No, believing in Jesus and Jesus alone is the gift that allows us to be with God forever into eternity. Paul in Romans 6.23 says it this way, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our sin leads us to the punishment of death and hell, which is our penalty, But Jesus, who gave his life as a free gift for us, gives us eternal life. And something I want to just say is that as soon as I talk about the reality of hell, and talk about hell, which isn't really popular and heartwarming uh, and, and certainly can incite fear, the reaction is often, well, I don't want to go to hell, so I guess I should believe in Jesus. And let me say, yes, eternal life with God forever is an excellent reward, and eternity in hell would be absolutely terrible. But listen, the reason the gospel is good news is not because we won't go to hell, but rather because we get God. Because we get God. Jesus is not our get out of hell free card, but even, uh, he's not only that, but even more so, a we get to be with God forever card. Like we get to be loved by God forever. And I think if we looked at the landscape of what most people think of Christianity and Jesus in the cross, it typically limits to Jesus is just our get out of hell a free card. And that's totally an incomplete gospel. Because of what happens often with Christians is to think, okay, I've got Jesus. I've got my eternal salvation. I'm good. Now let me go do my own thing. And to that we would have to say, no, that's not the way following Jesus works. A Christian who has been separated from God and that reunites with God and begins following Jesus can't stay the same in this life. And so I want to try to illustrate this from from something I read almost 20 years ago that was really helpful for me. And so I want you to imagine with me that you're a beat up old rag doll that's left on the side of the street, missing an eye, kind of stained, clothes are ripped, you got stuff all over you and you're just in a really bad place. And someone comes up to you and says, hey, I've got hope for you. You're going to be made totally new. You're going to be completely remade, fixed, and washed totally clean. And you, the rag doll, you will get a new eye. Stains will be gone. New clothes, the whole works. You're going to be completely new. And then they leave. And you're left with hope in the future. But now in the moment, you're still in the ditch and you're still beat up. Your clothes are still ribbed, you're still nasty, you still only have one eye, you're laying there nearly lifeless, and so you just lay there unchanged, waiting, and continue about your day thinking, okay, that's great, now it's up to me to get out of the ditch. And you, the ragdoll, are excited about the future, but right now, in this ditch, you're not real sure what to do, and so you just continue on the same as you were before. And I think if we're honest, this is how most people think of Christianity. 
thinking I've got my future salvation, like believing the gospel message gives me eternal life and hope in the future when I die, but yet in this life we're just left waiting in the ditch without any immediate hope for today. Like maybe we understand the gospel past that pays for the penalty of our sin that will gain Jesus' reward in the future, but for today we think if we want to change, it's up to us and our hard work to change ourselves. In this new city, this is not what the gospel teaches us. The gospel teaches us that the same gospel that saves us from our sins is the same gospel that sanctifies us and changes us and makes us new. The gospel past is also number two, the gospel present that gives us hope for today. It's the same gospel, this gospel past was back then, but the gospel present is evidence of our true faith that our faith is real. Please listen. A person that believes in Jesus but yet stays unchanged, we can't be confident they've truly believed in Jesus. We can't be confident they've truly encountered Jesus who rose from the dead. That's what John shows us all over 1 John. Look at chapter 1, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then skip down to chapter 2, verse 4. John says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. John gets straight to the point. When Jesus enters a person's life through faith and belief, God begins to change them. No, it's not perfection. And yes, it is a lifelong process that requires daily grace and forgiveness, but life change is a part of following Jesus. The gospel affects us right now in this life. So that ragdoll on the side of the street, down in the ditch, stained and covered in mud, he doesn't have to wait until he gets gets to his new forever destination to experience newness and change. No, he has hope to get up out of the ditch and in time be clothed with new garments and start the process of being made new right now. Christian, this is hope for you today. Like this is hope for those that you love. This is hope for those who seem so far gone. Like the gospel, it changes lives still today. Because the same gospel, the same good news of Jesus that we look back to as a historical reality that frees us from the penalty of sin is the same gospel that frees us today from the power of sin, empowering us for real, true life change. And unfortunately, this is where for many, where the gospel often stops. Like given hope for later after this life, but disconnected for hope for today. Like we get the idea of being free from the penalty of sin, but often struggle to connect to see the gospel providing us with power over our sin today. And church, this gospel truth and gospel reality, it will change your life. Because yes, the gospel frees us from sin's penalty, but yet also the good news of the gospel frees us from the power of sin. And this is what I mean by that. When we year in and year out abide in Jesus, God changes us by his power, not in our strength and power, but totally in his strength and power. And the reason I am so sure of this is because the Bible is very clear that when we profess faith in Jesus, the power of God in the Holy Spirit enters into our life. 1 John 3, verse 24, chapter 3, verse 24, John says, Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. And look down at chapter 4, verse 15. John says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 
And so when we say Jesus is Lord and begin following him, the Spirit of God that played a part in creating the world and helped raise Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit is living inside of our hearts and begins making us new creations. Uh, This is like a life-transforming reality. So again, that ragdoll on the side of the street, down the ditch, he has been picked up by his creator, and his creator is day by day and year by year clothing it and cleaning it and giving it a new purpose over a lifetime. Christian, the power of God that created the world and rose Jesus from the dead has been given to you and me and to all those who profess faith in Jesus. Like it helps us to be more like Jesus, which means hope is not lost. Like, I don't care how many times you've been knocked down. If the spirit is inside of you, you've been given the power to get back up. New City, when we hand over the keys of our life over to Jesus in the eternal life-saving way, it's like handing over the keys of our house over to a new owner. And what does this new owner do? They come in, and they clean up the house, and they knock down a few walls, they paint, they redecorate, and make it totally their own. Like they add a sparkle here, uh, they, they, they throw some curtains on some windows, and they put a painting on the wall, and they call it a project. How do I know this? Because I've watched Fixer Upper. And also because I married a woman that loves to decorate. And before we got married, I had white walls with a single black poster of Muhammad Ali standing over the opponent that was just like, it was total inspiration. That was my decorations. When I got married, I handed over all the decorating privileges to my wife because she didn't like my poster. So that's what Jesus does with us. He takes our limited abilities, and by his power in us, he makes us into a new creation, way better than we could ever do ourselves. New City, the past few weeks, just throughout this series, we have looked at the Great Commission in Matthew 28. At the very end of the Great Commission, Jesus says, I will be with you always. Meaning, wherever we go, wherever we are, Jesus, through his spirit, is with us and in us. And so get this. Whatever bondage to sin or any sin pattern we may have, or those we love may have, God is with us and with them if they profess Jesus. Yes, we are fighting and warring against it daily, but Jesus has promised us that he has already won the war, that the power of sin in our life has been won at the cross. Like through the gospel, we know that Jesus is praying for us and fighting for us and interceding for us and always with us. Like church, this is good news for us today. And so what this means very practically for us as a church is that it means we truly, truly believe with total conviction that God is able to change people. That nobody, absolutely nobody is too far gone. Like Christian, take heart in this today. Like we are not walking in a powerless religion. No, we are living with the power of God that is made available to us because of the gospel. This is the gospel present. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is given to us today in our ordinary lives that God uses in extraordinary ways. This is so good. Like we really believe that God can enter into the hearts of people and turn prostitutes into prayer warriors, that God can turn convicts into church planners, and that God can turn messes into missionaries because this is just what God does. This is what God has entrusted to you and to me to be a part of. Like we believe that God can make the apathetic zealous, that God can redeem and restore that which is broken. 
Like we believe no marriage or child or relationship is too far gone. And why? Because we serve a really big God and that is in the business of redeeming the world. Like we believe that, the, that God can turn that which is really bitter into something really sweet. That God can turn our worry into worship and our fear into wisdom. Like New City, we believe that God by his spirit is able to accomplish things that we could never dream possible. And it leads us to ask God for crazy, audacious things, and not because we're something great, but totally because God is. You know how God does the miraculous? It's typically not through extraordinary means sometimes, but typically it's often through very ordinary, normal things that God by his spirit chooses to use. It's usually just through the ordinary means of genuine relationships that show sacrificial love. It's usually through very ordinary discipleship and living on mission and loving people in very simple ways is how God decides to do these things. This is what we witnessed here at New City, just within our own church. God has used ordinary means of just teaching the Bible and loving people and showing grace to each other and living submitted to Jesus to see people come in and begin to thrive again and to find joy in the mission again, to find spiritual health and vibrancy. And how? Because the Spirit is at work. And the reason I'm so confident of this is because I've seen this happen so many times over and over and over again in so many lives around me and around the world. But I've also seen God do it in my own life. Like, I'm not kidding, I am weakly, weakly blown away and humbled that God would decide to use me to teach the Bible something that seems so simple and ordinary to help each of you in your journey to become a better follower of Jesus and that it actually sometimes is helpful to a few of you. Like, we open the Bible and we teach it and God works and it regularly blows me away. Like, I know it has absolutely nothing to do with me and totally because the power of God is at work. You know, one of my best childhood friends, we laugh all the time that I'm now a pastor. You know, I was a little hellion as a kid. I just was. Like my sister, she tells me all the time too that if God could use me, her annoying little brother, that could ch would chase her around and bother her all day long to help someone love Jesus more, that's nothing but a testimony of God's grace and power at work. Like if God can turn messes and ragtags like me into ministers of the gospel, I can't help but believe he can and will keep doing it over and over and over again until he returns. And New City, this is an incredible privilege to be a part of. And New City, this is why we talk about the gospel so much. This is why we make such a big deal about Jesus week in and week out, because this is the glue that holds our faith together. The gospel doesn't only save us, but it also changes us and it empowers us for everyday life. The gospel, as John shows us in 1 John 1, 4, like this is, is the means for our joy in this life. The gospel is the means for joy. Christian, you're forgiven today. Christian, you're given a new fresh start today. Because of Jesus today, God looks at you and smiles and he looks at you with delight. He doesn't see your sin, he sees Jesus in you. And because of that, he's pleased with you. Like, this is really good news, and so do not lose heart. Do not quit walking with Jesus and do not give up fighting because he's holding you and he's fighting with you. Like, this is the gospel for today. This is the gospel present that takes the rag dog on the side of the road and gives hope for today, that gives him new clothes and begins to wash off the stains and then takes it inside and puts it in the most treasured spot in the house to be showcased in love and delighted in by everyone who comes in.
That's what the gospel does. It takes messes and turns them into masterpieces to be treasured and delighted in by the God of the universe today. You know what, one day in the future from now, the race and the battle will be complete. That ragdoll will be totally new. Uh, We will be totally new and the battling of sin will be over completely. And God will look at you and me because of Jesus and Jesus Christ alone and say to us, when we meet him face to face, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And this new city is number three, gospel future. When we eat, when each one of us who proclaim Jesus as Lord, we will in the future sit with Jesus, speak to Jesus and be sitting in his physical presence, worshiping God the Father. And all the struggle and strife and hardship that we face in this life, it will all be gone. It will all be done forever. There will be, as a promise from Revelation 21.4, He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. In the future from now, there will be no more hardship, no more tears, no more fear or anxiety or worry or stress or loneliness. No, there is a promise that it will all be gone when the presence of sin will be totally done away with forever. And people from all over the world will be worshiping Jesus forever. New City, the gospel future is our hope and promise that keeps us moving in the direction to get back up again and again and again. Oh, this is why we named New City Church, New City. Because of Hebrews 13, 14 reminds us that we do not live for this world, but we live for the city that is to come, the new city that is to come, when God will make all things new. Because our future hope that the gospel promises us, it will, without a shadow of doubt, will cause us to look back and see that every struggle and sorrow and tear that we've cried on this earth, when we see Jesus face to face and God in his full glory, it will all be forgotten. And we will finally be able to understand that it was all worth the wait. We can say it this way. The good news of the gospel promises us a future hope where the presence of sin will be totally abolished. In New City Church, this is the day that we long for and hope for and we cry out for saying, Come soon, Lord Jesus. Like our future hope moves us to not fear death. Our future hope leads us to mission with hope and certainty that many will respond in faith. It will happen. God has promised it. Our future hope moves us to endure suffering and sorrow and hardship in this life because in the grand scheme of eternity, this life is but a quick breath. Our future hope moves us to forgive others and to seek reconciliation and to fight for unity, striving to be unified with all those who will be with us forever in eternity. Again, the gospel new city, it's a diamond that week in and week out we seek to turn. And as a church body in everything we do, we just want to see its brilliance. It affects our relationships, it affects how we disciple, and it affects how we live on mission. The gospel past and the gospel future, they empower us and give us hope for today. And we as a church, as a gospel-centered church, want to do everything we can to keep coming back and deepening our understanding and delighting in this gospel diamond. Again, church, the gospel is the glue that holds our vision and core values together. If we don't stay in the gospel, life change is left up to us. If we don't stay in the gospel that moves us to sacrifice and mission, what reason would we have to leave comfort and reach the world? 
New City, the gospel changes everything. And so what do we do? We revel in it and we delight in it. Never, New City, we never move past the gospel. Let me say this. If you're here today and you have never trusted in Jesus and you want to give him your life today, it's as simple as saying, God, I believe in the cross. I believe Jesus at the cross. He did everything necessary to save me. God, through Jesus and Jesus alone, I want to begin following you. And you know what you do next? You just tell someone. It's that simple. And then we as a church, we get to come around you and we get to love you and try to disciple you and and see how God can use you to build his kingdom. And then just watch God totally change your life. And why? Because this is what the gospel does. It changes everything. Let's pray. God, you're so good to us. Even when we don't understand things, God, even when there's things going on around us, we know that we have a, a future hope. God, you have kept promises for thousands and thousands of years. And you've promised us that you will never leave us or forsake us. You've promised us a future hope, and we, all of this was sealed through the, de- the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus at the cross. God, we love you, and we pray that we will sing your praises now and forever until you return. God, we we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.